Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Colossians, the first chapter. And we're going to read beginning with verse number 1 down through verse number 11. Colossians chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. Paul writing said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. Also you have learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. And for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Amen. And everybody said amen. Give me an opportunity to read verse number 9 to you from the New Living Translation. It reads like this, or verse number 10. He said, Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. I love the first part of that verse. I love the whole first part of Colossians. There's just something about this chapter that speaks to me every time I read it. But I was captured by the the thought of what Paul said to these believers, if they could grasp what he was saying, then the way that you live will always honor and please the Lord. And that thought, the way that you live, that it would always honor and please the Lord. And as I looked at that and thought about that, the Lord began to show me seven things in this passage that we read from that please him and it defines and describes the life that pleases God 
And if there's anything that I desire tonight is that I might be pleasing to him. There is one thing that I want to hear in the end of things, and that is well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I know that in order for that to happen, it is essential, it is necessary that I live a life that pleases God. And there are seven characteristics, seven traits that Paul mentions here that we know please God. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This letter to the Colossians is a very touching, personal letter from the Apostle Paul to these new believers. Uh, He begins his letter to them by expressing what he was doing for them, and that was praying for them. He was praying for them because of some things that had gotten back to him that were troubling him about this early church. It had come to his understanding that there were false teachers that had come into this church of new believers and had been disturbing their faith and troubling them. And Paul was concerned about this, that he was troubled that they were adding to the gospel that they had been preached and uh, the practices that were being brought in that were strange and had, um, had many admixtures of the world in them. Paul was very troubled. It there, there were rituals that were being brought into their worship that were not really part of the spiritual culture, but people were bringing it in, and they were also teaching an inferior Christ, that, that he wasn't the preeminent one. And in essence, they were teaching them that it was Christ plus something, that Christ alone was not sufficient. And so Paul writes them a letter to uh, address those concerns and to talk to them about the dangers of what was slipping in. And if there's anything that comes out of this letter, it is the preeminence that Paul places on Christ and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was nothing better, there was nothing more important than that. And there's nothing that you can add to it to improve on what had already been preached. And so he stands against any attempt to degrade or to dishonor his Christ. And he prays for them that they might have a discernment of God's will and that they would have the ability to perform the will of God. And he mentions two things here that I had mentioned to you before, but he, he speaks of them being given spiritual wisdom and understanding. There are two distinctly different thoughts in the Greek text. Spiritual wisdom spoke of the knowledge of first things, those things that were a priority in life, the essential things. And then understanding was simply the ability to apply those first principles to 
any given situation that might arise in life. So Paul prayed that they would understand what the priorities with God are, not what the social priorities are, not what the cultural priorities are, but what are the priorities according to God? What does the Lord have to say about my life or your life? And then having the ability to apply those things to my everyday living. It's important to you and I tonight that we understand that because we live in a very similar hour as that which the Colossians lived in. We live in a day when our culture is trying to slip into our our, our, our spiritual world and our spiritual life and add to or take away or tell us that, that the Lord is not preeminent, that there are many Christ or there are many ways to God. And it is essential that you and I understand it doesn't matter what the government says. It doesn't matter what the government okays. It doesn't matter what Congress passes as a law if the law of God does not say that, or if the law of God does not commend that, then I should obey the law of God, not the law of man. Amen. And that's not, a, that's not an excuse for you to thumb your nose at the law. The Bible speaks expressly that you and I should obey the laws of the land. But the law of God is preeminent over every law. And so Paul prays that they would understand the law of God, that they would understand and know the, 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 the knowledge of first things, the things that are priorities in life, and that they would have the ability to apply those principles to their everyday life. And he prays that they will not be just a master of theology and a failure in living, but they will let their theology become seen in the way that they live their everyday life. And this, he said, will result in a right kind of conduct, something that will be pleasing to God. And if you will do this, if you will receive this word, then he said, you will live a life that is pleasing to God. And when I read that, I started looking back at what all Paul had said. And I thought, Lord, what, what was Paul saying in here? What was he trying to delineate to these Colossians that they could get hold of and they could understand that this is a priority to God and this is a priority to God and this, if I do that, will please God and as I began to look, I found seven things here in the first 11 verses. I'm sure there may be others, but these are the seven that really captured my attention. And they express the life that pleases God. And if they please God, then certainly they should be important to us. How many of you want to please God tonight? Amen. I want to please Him Certainly that is my desire. And the first one is found in the first part of chapter 1 when Paul addresses them and he speaks to them about their faith in Christ. 
Verse number 4, he said, or verse 3 says, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. So the first thing that we certainly must understand that pleases God is faith in, in God. If we do not have faith in Him, then we cannot please God. Hebrews chapter 11 said that he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We must know what we believe and we must stand on what we believe, but we must believe that he is and there is nothing else to be added. There is not Jesus plus something Or Jesus minus something, but Jesus alone. Everybody say Jesus alone. You don't need him plus something. You just need him. And if you have him, you have all that you need. Amen. He is all that I need. And so the cornerstone of the life that pleases God is faith. Faith in God. Faith in Christ. Faith in in the Lord and His work. And that means a number of things. I, I thought about the, the book of Mark, the 11th chapter, when it tells the story of the Lord passing by a fig tree and He wanted figs. He looked on it because there were leaves and He expected to find fruit on the tree. But when He went, He found nothing but leaves. And so He cursed that tree and He said, that you're you're never going to produce. And they went on their way, and when they came back by, the disciples noted that the tree was withered and it had died, and they were amazed at what they saw. And they asked the Lord, how could that be? And Jesus' response to them was, have faith in God. Now, there's a lot of things that you may not understand about life, but you have to trust me that I know what I'm doing. Now, The reason I think that he cursed that tree was because it gave every evidence that it had fruit, but it had no fruit. And I think there's nothing that God despises more than hypocrisy. Amen. There's nothing that God despises more than hypocrisy. Me pretending to be something that I'm not. And they put on the show. All of the leaves were there. And according to my understanding, the leaves were evident that fruit would also be there. And so when he looked and there were leaves, he expected it to be a tree that could refresh the one who passed by. But when he went to be refreshed, all he saw was a sham. It's a dangerous thing to play games with God. Amen. I would, you, you know what? The Bible speaks about the Lord. He said, I would rather that you be what? Cold or hot. But when you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Why? Because there's nothing that makes God more nauseated than a hypocrite. Amen. So we better, we better practice what we preach. More than that, we better live what we say we are. And faith in God, committed to a faith in God. 
Whether I understand God or not, I still have faith in God. I don't, and here's something that's hard for some people to understand. Some people are of the opinion that in order to have faith in God, you've got to understand God. Well, that's not true because I don't understand anything about electricity. But I have faith that when I turn that switch, it's going to light up this building. I don't understand all of the things that go into that automobile or that truck that I drove today. I'm not sure how a key in an ignition can start a chain reaction that causes combustion and produces pistons firing and moving. And all of that can produce enough power to propel me down the road at 100 miles an hour. If I go that fast. That's what my speedometer says. I don't go that fast, though. I go 99 most of the time. But I don't, I don't understand that. But that has never kept me from putting my key in and turning that ignition on. So faith in God is just trusting God that he knows what he's doing. And I will never go wrong by putting my confidence in God. Amen. And so the life that pleases God is a life that is committed to faith in him. Number two. He said, I also notice not only your faith in Christ, but I also notice your love for your fellow men. It is essential that you underline that because it doesn't matter how much you love God if you don't love me. God said, how can you love me who you've never seen? And not love the one you have seen that's standing next to you. There's something wrong with someone who cannot love the fellow man. And love does not mean that you endorse them. Love that is spoken of here in Scripture is an undeserved commodity. It's not something that somebody deserved. It's given to them because They do not deserve it, but they need it. And so there is in the life that pleases God an element of love for others. This turns my belief into action. And the the world doesn't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And the truth is that a lot of people I know in this world can be in love with God. But I'm not so sure if they're in love with God's creation. Amen. Committed to love for their fellow man. Belief is translated into an action of love toward those that do not deserve it. But you love them because they need it. And so the life that pleases God is a life that is committed to love for others. Amen. It's amazing to me that anybody could come and worship God and not love everybody around them that they're worshiping God with. Amen. The Bible doesn't say it, but an old song does, and it does say it in, in, in essence. But the, the old song said, give me that old-time religion. Why? 
because it makes me love everybody. Anybody remember when you received the Holy Ghost, when you got up from that altar, did you know of anybody at that moment that you hated or disliked? Or anybody that even got on your nerves? Or nerds, as my granddaughter used to call them. Nerds. Anybody? It, nobody. When I, I remember my life felt so clean and pure. But you know what? Since that time, I have learned how to not love some people. And I don't think the Lord's happy with that. I know he's not. And he made, Paul made sure to the Colossians that he reminded them that the thing that pleases God is that you love fellow men, that you have love one toward another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have what? Love. Love. One to another. Amen. Sometimes you have to love them in spite of their warts and their wrinkles and all of their faults. But I say it again, you don't love them because they deserve it. You love them because they need it. Amen. Amen. Everybody say you've got to love everybody. That doesn't mean that you have to approve everybody, but you need to love everybody. And Paul said there is a characteristic of that person who pleases God. And that characteristic is one of love for fellow men. And then Paul went on later on in verse number 9 and 10 to mention a few other things that, that delineated the life that pleases God. And the third thing that I noticed is that the person, the life that pleases God is a life that bears fruit. That bears fruit. Fruit is an evidence of what you are. It is an evidence that we are in fact what we say we are. How do we know that a peach tree is a peach tree? By the fruit that it bears. Now, how do we know that an apple is an apple tree? By the fruit that it bears. And how do we know just because somebody says they're a Christian doesn't mean that they are a Christian. There should be fruit that is evident. And Paul talked about that fruit in Galatians 5. I don't, if you want to take them, you may not want to go there because... It may bring up some subjects that you really don't want to think about right now. But in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith, temperance. Against such there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit. There's an evidence of joy. There's an evidence of long suffering. If gentleness is missing from your life, then maybe you need to pray God will help you be a better fruit bearer. Amen. Fruit bearer. But you know, I got to looking and I found out that there was some other fruit. Not just these that are mentioned here, these nine fruit of the Spirit, but in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11 and in uh, James chapter 3 and verse 18, they mention the fruit of 
righteousness. The fruit of righteousness. The fruit of just living according to right principles. That's another fruit. Just living according to right principles. And then I, I stumbled across one in 2 Corinthians that really set me back. And, and you have to go there and read it before you can really comprehend it. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul was writing and he said in verse number 10, he said, Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both ministered bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. And increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now, if I'm understanding that right, one fruit that is missing from a lot of folks' lives is the fruit of giving. And that's what Paul was addressing. If you read the verses before and after, he is addressing the, 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 the idea, the thought of giving and If I am not bearing those fruit, then I need to go back and find out what's wrong with the tree and do what is ever necessary to get it to bear that kind of fruit. We we have two pear trees in the backyard, and I haven't learned the trick of what causes them to be so fruitful. But last year, we had a bumper crop of pears. I mean a bumper crop. The limbs were just broken down. They were so heavy. And this year, it looks like we had a plague come through. I, it, there's some on them, but there's nowhere near. And I got to looking, and I thought, Lord, what happened from last year to this year? And I really don't know, but something happened between last year and this year because the fruit is not there. That There's not... The, the amount that was there before, maybe that's the way it is with pear trees. Maybe they have one good year and one bad year, but I'm not sure that's the way God wants me to live, that I have one good year and one bad year. And You know, this is just my bad year, so you're just going to have to put up with me. If there is not an evidence of joy or peace or long-suffering or temperance in my life, then what I need to do is start digging around and find out why. What is preventing that from coming out in my life? Maybe it's an attitude that I need to work on. Maybe it's a chip on my shoulder that I need to get knocked off. Maybe it's just something that I've let get down in my spirit that just, uh, you know, I, I don't understand God. And so... You know, you you get a bad report, and so you just throw your hands up and say, well, I, I just don't believe God cares about my life. Sometimes you have to live for God with a bad report. I, I get weary sometimes with, with, with people that ought to know better, that have been living for God for a long time, and they get one bad report, or they get turned down for a job. And they're ready to quit living for God. Well, I'm just a failure. I, I just, I'm just a, uh, I'm no good to my family. I'm, and I'm thinking, what in the world is wrong with you? You're a child of God. Just because you got turned down for that job doesn't mean you're a loser. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. 
Amen. And so if, if there's something missing, if I've got three of those fruit, I should have nine of them. I, I should have all of them. If I don't have all of them, then I need to be working on that tree so that it will produce all of them. I don't think God's going to be happy if I come through the gates or I come to the gates of glory and I say, Well, God, I was good on three out of nine. I think the Lord wants me to enjoy all of them. Everybody say all of them. And he wants me to manifest all of them. Well, I'm, I'm good at joy. I'm just a happy, bubbly personality. I just, I'm always upbeat. But we're not good with patience or we're not good with long-suffering or we're not good with gentleness or we're not good with meekness. We need to pray that God would help us because that's what pleases Him. It pleases God that I bear fruit and not just fruit. Read John. He said that you bear much fruit. So God's not happy if I'm batting 300. You know what 300 is? That means three times out of ten you hit. God wants me to bat better than that. He actually wants me to bet a thousand. Bat, bat not bet. <laughs> take, take, take that out of the tape. He wants me to, to bat a thousand. He, he wants me to get it all right. He wants me to enjoy all of that. Because when all of that is evident in my life, my life is so much better and I am a better person to live with. Have you ever thought to think? Buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> We're getting ready to go down a rough road. Have you ever just stopped to think what it's like having to live with you? Horrible. Have you ever taken the time? Somebody's watching. If somebody's watching, I ought to be watching. And it would do all of us some good if we would stop every once in a while and just think, now, what am I making other people have to go through to live with me or to get along with me? And if there's things that I'm, I'm short in, then I need to work on cultivating that and getting that active in my life. I want all of that. I want all of the nine fruit of the Spirit and I want the fruit of righteousness and I want the fruit of giving in my life. Do you understand that the hand that is closed too tight to give is closed too tight to receive? The Bible said he loves a cheerful giver. Amen. We ought to have a camera sometimes when the plate goes by. It's like. I'm just kidding. I don't even know. I'm up here on the front. I never looked. But, but God's looking. Amen. Everybody say, I want it all. The thing that pleases God is that my life manifests all of the fruit of the Spirit.
Not one or two or three or four or five or six or seven, but all nine of them. All nine. So I think it'd do us all good. Let's go home tonight and let's read Galatians again. And let's look at it and say, okay, God, what, am I, what do I need to work on? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Where, where, where am I weak? And let God talk to you about what needs to, done, do, to be done to help cultivate that and make that productive in your life because it pleases God. Everybody say it pleases God. God is pleased when I bear fruit. The fourth thing that I notice is that they grow in the knowledge of God. They grow in the knowledge of God. That simply means that they, they, they grow in the understanding of how God works. That they pay attention when things happen in life and how God works them out. And they understand how the hand of God works. And they study, they read the Word, and they put that Word in their heart so that when things happen in life, they can say, all things work together for the good to them who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. They grow in the knowledge of God. And so there's an ever-developing understanding of God's work and His way and his word, and that word is put away in our heart. It's hidden in our heart. The thing that we should all be doing on a regular basis is putting this word in our heart. Amen. Hiding it in our heart. Growing in the knowledge of God. Let me ask you something tonight. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? But more than that, If you were arrested for the knowledge of God, would there be enough knowledge in you to convict you for that? There's one thing that I've found in my years of pastoring is that we know too little about this book and we misquote it oftentimes. Amen. Don't just take my word for it. Bring your Bible and open and read it with me. Not that I'm here to deceive you, but... That word, when we put it in our heart, it will never fail us. It will never fail us. Number five, he talked about the thing that pleases God is endurance. Let me read how it goes there in Colossians. He said in verse number 11, he said, Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience. And long-suffering with joyfulness. Now, the two words that are used there, patience and long-suffering, sometimes are interchangeable, but here they are not. They speak of two distinctly different things. And the first one that is mentioned here is actually the, the word patience. We would define it as endurance. This has to do with life and Anything it can do to us. And what pleases God is that when life comes against me and things happen that I don't understand, that I have the fortitude and the ability to bear it without becoming a whining crybaby. 
in bearing them, we turn them into glory. It is a conquering of what has tried to conquer you. It is letting life come, but not letting it overwhelm you. It is strength to stick it out. If I've told you how many times I've been disappointed in life and I could have given up, it would startle you tonight. But you know what? You've had just as many times that has come your way, that you've faced something in life that you couldn't understand and you prayed and God didn't answer your prayer. That is an answer sometimes. Many times, though, it's just God waiting. The Bible said he waited to be gracious to me. The book of of Jeremiah, I believe it is, the Bible speaks of God waiting so that he might be gracious. If God were to answer me when I prayed the first time, he would not have been able to do for me what he wanted to do. But as he waited, I got myself in a place where he could really bless me the way he wanted to bless me. And so Paul prays that they would have an endurance. That's what pleases God. It's when people have something that just causes them to stick with it. You know what? If God never blesses me again the rest of my life, I've already been blessed enough that I should serve him the rest of my life. If God never answers another prayer that I pray, he has already answered enough prayers for me that I should live for him and serve him if he never answers another prayer. Fortitude. The ability to bear things and to take things. Life can come to us and be brutal, but not giving up when troubles come is what Paul was talking about. And troubles are going to come. Pressures are going to come. But no situation or no circumstance can defeat a person like this. They are indestructible. No matter what life throws at them, they're like Teflon. It never sticks. Amen. I love what Jesus said when the end was coming and the disciples were in the garden with him and one had already left him to betray him. He said something about the devil. The the devil comes. Satan comes. But he hath nothing in me. I love that. Because it is evidence to me that Satan had tried to find an inroad. Something that would stick to him. But it didn't matter what he threw at him. Hatred. Jealousy. Bitterness. Lies. Treachery. Betrayal. None of those things could change him from what he was. He just kept going. And that's what Paul prayed, that we would have that kind of spirit that we could endure. Everybody say endure. Just take it. Amen. Take it. Take a licking and keep on ticking. Amen. If you pray and God doesn't answer your prayer, keep on praying. Keep on serving Him. Keep on... If you don't get what you want, don't get mad. Just keep on living for God. God knows what's best for us. And when the time is right, God will bring to pass in my life the things that will help me be a better child of God. Amen. 
And so God help us to be indestructible. That, that no matter what life throws at us, it won't stick. No bitterness, no jealousy, no anger, no revenge, no hatred. Amen. There's a lot of haters in this world that try to make haters out of you. But every time they throw that at you, it finds nowhere to stick because there's a resilience in you. There's a, it, it, I love it. Somebody bought me one of them a, year, a few years ago, one of those weighted uh, inflatable things that you bop, bopping machine. I don't know what they call them. When we were kids, we used to have a ball. You hit them and they'd bounce right back. I don't care how hard you waylaid them. You, you could turn around and hit it as hard as you wanted to hit it, and it went down and touched the ground and come right back up. Just irritate the fire out of me because you can't knock it down. You can't keep it down. That's the kind of person the, that God says, that's what pleases me. Life knocks them that they just come right back up. Life hits them a hard blow, they just come right back up. That's what endurance is, and that's what pleases God. It's that ability to bounce back when things don't go the way that we want them to or things don't happen and we pray for them to happen, but they don't, we just keep going. We keep serving God. We're, we, we continue to be faithful. And then there was not only this endurance, but he mentions this, uh, I think he calls it long-suffering, but that word is actually the word patience in our vocabulary, long-suffering has to do with our relationship with people. Endurance has to do with situations and circumstances and life, but patience has to do with people. Paul understood something about life, and so does God. He understands that you're going to face not only circumstances, but sometimes it's people. You know, life would be really great if it wasn't for people. I wouldn't have any problems if it wasn't for people. And so we let people get under our skin. We let people irritate us and we let people get our, our joy and we let people steal our, 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 our faith and our hope. And what Paul said is you need a patience. You need a long suffering that will help you outlast whatever anybody might do against you. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's right. God, give me the ability. It is the quality of spirit that enables one to bear with people that are unpleasant, that are malicious, that are cruel, that nothing that people do to you can make you bitter. Even though they are unteachable and they are undesirable, they will never drive you to despair that people will not get on your nerves no person can defeat your love amen it is the spirit that doesn't lose patience nor belief in nor hope for men that's what Paul prayed that they would have his patience that's what pleases God is loving people in spite of them being people and then the last thing he mentions is joy. The seventh thing that pleases God is joy. That my life be blessed with an attitude of thanksgiving. That everywhere I turn, 
Everywhere I look, I see the blessing of God, the hand of God, the mercy of God, the long-suffering of God, the patience of God. That everywhere I turn, I see God working something for my good. I see God taking care of my life, of watching, of keeping me, of protecting me, of doing something for me that I could not do for myself. And out of that comes a gratitude. Thank you, God. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. And that out of my life comes this attitude of thanksgiving. It is an attitude of life. The joy that is unspeakable. The joy that nobody can give you and nobody can take away. No matter the circumstances, no matter the people problems, that there is something in your life that always gives thanks to Him who has made you able to share in the grace and the mercy of God. Joy. Amen. That's what pleases God, is that my life is a life that is marked by a spirit of thanksgiving. Amen. Thanksgiving. Gratitude. God's been good to me. Even when life is not, God has been good to me. Even when people are not, God has been good to me. And I think if you look around in your life, you will find that God has been extremely good to you too. Amen. He's blessed you more than you deserve. He's been more patient with you than you deserve. (laughs) He has been more long-suffering than you deserve. God, help me to not ever forget what you've done for me and let out of my spirit come a joy, thankfulness. Rejoice in the Lord always. Everybody say always. Always. That means what it says always. Always, when you get a, a bad report or when somebody, you know, somebody discourages you or somebody lets you down, you, you still have a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving that God is still good. Amen. The things that please God, those are the things that are important to Him. They should be important to me. Faith, love for one another. Amen. Love for one another. I should have fruit in my life. I, I should be conscious of that fruit. And if, 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 I'm, if I'm not bearing that fruit, if it's not evident in my life, then I need to figure out what's, what's keeping it from growing. Amen. There may be a root of bitterness that's sucking all the vitality out so the, it can't get the nutrients it needs to come to fruition. And I need not only that, I need, I need endurance. I, I need to grow in the knowledge of God. I, I need patience. And I need, I need joy. Joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. Let's stand together.